In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a needle-shadowed BFF, annoying little sisters, and questioning reality in our discussion of Burn the Negative by Josh Winning. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Burn the Negative by Josh Winning. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this, you want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. It's fine. Today's Friday the 13th day of recording, Claire. It is. Isn't it exciting? I love Friday the 13th. Me love the too. Idea Look at my Friday shirt. The 13th. Look at my shirt that you can see and our Patreon members can see. Ooh, nice. I don't even think I'm going to describe it because you've got to go and join our Patreon to go and see it. Oh, nice detailing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. It's good Mine's stuff. more classic. Yes. I like yours. I like the colours of yours. Mm. Yeah. I'm very excited for this one. Me too. Yeah. And it's another nope. Yes, it's a nope. It's definitely a nope. It's 1,000% a nope. <laughs> Just nope, all of it. <laughs> Going to a burning building? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Go to LA? <laughs> mm, nope. <laughs> nope. Um, do we have any background information for this one that doesn't require noping out? Uh, yes. I read a really great interview with the Los Angeles Public Library. And, like, all of the questions and answers were fantastic. So I can't wait until we get to talk to Josh Winning and ask him our own fantastic questions. But the one that I pulled from this interview is, how did the novel evolve and change as you wrote and revised it? Are there any characters or scenes that were lost in the process that you wish you had made it to the published version? And his response is, I write quite short first drafts. So the revisions were all about going deeper into Laura's backstory and fleshing out her relationship with her mom. Also, and this is the part that I liked the most, a lot of my beta readers hated Amy. Capital H, capital A. Which surprised him, he says. Really? So he tried to soften her a little bit and show her vulnerable side. Sorry, Josh, uh-huh. that, that didn't work. Failed. You failed. Amy's the worst. Amy's the worst, but Freaking you know we love it, Amy. but she's the worst. Spoilers, yeah. we hit Amy. Spoilers, she's the literal worst. <laughs> so he goes on to say... There wasn't really anything lost along the way, aside from a final scene I never liked anyway. And also, one character originally made a surprise reappearance at the climax. But I'll leave you guessing who. So now I'm curious. Oh. Now, when he says original character, does he mean original guesthouse movie character? Because... 
it's hard to say. There's a lot of original characters. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of layers to this book. So it's hard to oh. say. Well, let's dive into the summary. Yes. Actually, we should do initial thoughts first because we always have initials. Then. I mean, do you have any initial thoughts, then summary, and then we, because that we need to, we need we need some Thank speculation. You. Yes. yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes. So I just want to say that all of our favorite authors really loved this one and we're fangirling about it on social media and that's how I found out about it so I was excited Same. to it. Same. And did you know a lot of those favourite authors have got a short story in the anthology A Tears of Darkness? I did know that Claire. I did know that. Thank you for showing our Patreon audience. And did you know that on Sunday the 29th of October at 2.30 Central 7.30 UK time. We are going to be talking to some of our favourite authors from A Taste of Darkness Anthology. Live on YouTube! I, I did know that. I did. I did know that. But does everyone else know that is the question. Well, they should. Keep an if eye on our they... social medias for links and updates. And Tom Fillery. Mainly for the Tom Fillery. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Chance for Tom Fillery? 100%. More than 100%. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense, Claire. It does. It does. It's fine. It's all good. Everything's fine. Would you like to provide this trigger warning? Because I did. I was not bothered by any of these things. You seem to be triggered a lot more than I am. I'm not triggered by things. it, but I know people who are triggered by it or may be triggered by it. Um, so I'm just going to say the this mentions of child abuse, child neglect, suicide, uh, and mental health. Obviously, it was murder. Gruesome, grotesque murder. We like to talk about the murder. Obviously, um, we do. Everything else, we kind of slide by. We don't go into graphic yeah. detail. Unless it's the murder, then we like to tell you about the murder. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fictional yeah. murder fictional murder but yeah just know that there is going to be some potential triggers in this some terrible things happen in this book friends <laughs> terrible yeah but it's also great the guest house is a gnarly horror movie from 1993 set in a cursed hotel nearly everyone involved in the film is dead are you interested the needle man is gonna get you. <laughs> You're so creepy. You're so creepy. I love you. <laughs> Look, there's music notes written into the script. So I gotta say I'm it so how it's presented. <laughs> <laughs> We're like Anchorman that way. We are. Well... <laughs> Halfway across the Atlantic Ocean is not, let's be honest, the ideal place to realise you're fucked. But that's exactly what happens to Laura Warren. The journey from London to LA is frankly awful and sleeping pills fail to knock her out. Her seatmate is a manspreader. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> air stewards, well, they're a bit too slow with the wine. And she just now realised that the Netflix TV series It Feeds, she's on the way to cover for Zeppelin magazine, is a modern interpretation 
of the guest house. How the hell did Mike, her editor and ex-boyfriend, find out? (sighs) Laura has spent 30 years eradicating her past. She dyed her hair, put on white, never wears yellow, lost her American accent, and changed her name. She is a completely different person. If only her night terrors and nightmares would go, too. But, you know, it seems Polly Tremaine, child actor, will never die. Unease filling her, Laura goes to the airplane bathroom to pull herself together. In the mirror, she sees a figure in a black coat with a bandaged face beneath a black hat and clawed fingers. The Needle Man. Turning. There's no one there. She's just jumping at shadows. Needly shadows. Even like needly shadows. (laughs) (laughs) She's obviously flying economy. (laughs) Even landing in LAX isn't without its trauma. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. First, the airline lost Laura's luggage. And Madeline, the entertainment publisher, turns out to be like annoyingly 100% Hollywood like oh in the car on the way to the studio Madeline explains that production has hired a psychic in case anything spooky happens and says Laura should really interview her blocking Madeline's inane chatter out Laura spots a man standing on a bridge over the highway and after they pass under the bridge she turns and sees the man jump At Universal Studios, Madeline takes Laura to stage five. A sick sensation hits her when Laura sees the set. It looks exactly the same. Madeline introduces Laura to Todd Terror, director and showrunner, who doesn't look old enough to vote. Pulling out her dictaphone, Laura can't believe she's doing this, conducting an interview about the guest house. Todd is obsessed with the guest house. He even has the original print in his office and treats the curse like a neat marketing tool and not something ghoulish, even though eight real people actually died. After the interview, Laura walks around the set and it's eerie. Going into the hall, she's sure she sees someone wearing yellow run up the stairs as a sing-song voice echoes around the set. One for sorrow, two for mirth, three for your funeral, four for birth. Fucking creepy. Before she sees movement in the doorway and five needle-like claws wrap around the frame and the thing in the darkness whispers, Polly! Laura runs out the front door, turns back and sees someone fall from the roof. Madeline is there, but she didn't see anything. Oh God, Laura's going to be sick. She rushes to the restroom, vomits in the stall, and as Laura's cleaning up in the sink, she sees a disquieting middle-aged woman looking at her. Yeah, this is the set sidekick. (laughs) I thought it was going to be needle shadows again. Always needle shadows. Later, in the hotel lobby, Laura video calls Mike and demands to know how he found out she was Polly Tremaine. (sighs) Amy, Laura's little sister, told him. Let the irritation begin. (sighs) 
course it was Amy. When Laura demands to get her flight changed and come home immediately, Mike protests. He tells her she is the real story, the original star coming out of the shadows to report on the remake and tell her truth. Uh, That is exactly not what she wants. Then Mike points out it would improve her work because it's not been very good since her dad died. Well, no fucking shit. Suddenly, Mike realizes that the guest house is the reason for her nightmares. He says he's sorry, but I mean, the damage is done, man. You can just he's fuck all the way he off. He's an asshole. <laughs> Back in her hotel room, Laura fruitlessly tries to find a Winona Ryder movie on the TV before giving up and trying not to think about the man in the highway or the psychic in the bathroom. Unfortunately, she thinks about how her mother, Pamela Tremaine, would punish her for playing, for getting a tan, for putting on weight, for wanting to be a normal kid. Pamela Tremaine would make Polly hold a lit match to practice her lines, not bothered if her daughter burned her fingers. I hated that scene. That was The scene is horrible. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Pamela Tremaine... You hate. Grabbing sleeping pills from her bag, Laura cuts her finger on the edge of the paper fortune teller, exactly like the one from the guest house. Somehow got into her purse. Lifting a flap, Laura sees scrawled, Welcome home, Polly. Not ominous at all. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. The next day, Laura heads to Universal to interview Kyle Williamson, the 20-something actor who is playing Tammy Manners in It Feeds. New Tammy is definitely different from old Tammy. Starting the interview, Laura asks Kyle if she's experienced anything weird. Oh, yes. Yeah, she has. Kyle tells her about her missing lipstick and phone charger, how someone went through her trailer, her headshots with imposter scrawled across them, the dead rat in her bathroom, and just yesterday, someone wrote, she's here above the couch in her trailer. Is this spooky or an over-enthusiastic showrunner trying to get her in the horror mood? The interview ends, and Laura heads back to stage five, where Todd, Terror, and Madeline try to scare Laura with the Needle Man in full costume. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. No, not at all. Dicks. Because it's not needle shadows. It's real needles. (laughs) It's real needles. Next, Laura's next interview is Puffly the Psychic. Beverly isn't interested in talking and gives short, clipped answers, but this doesn't stop Laura. Eventually, Beverly says something curious about paper fortune tellers and uses her name like she knows she was Polly. Mm. Back in her hotel room, Laura sees a missed call from her sister Amy. Laura isn't ready to talk to her right now, but she can never stay mad at her sister. Nobody ever could. I can. Lying in the dark as And Laura... do. And am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she is not. I'm I rage. Lying in the dark as Laura feels sleep pulling her down, she sees something in the dark corner watching her, and he is... Polish! Laura wakes in a panic, struggling to breathe through the black smoke and heat. 
Taking in her surroundings, Laura realizes she's in a bathroom and not the one in her hotel room. Crouching low, Laura begins to make her way out and spots an unmoving body in the shower cubicle, their palm burned into the glass. Making her way outside, she realizes she's at Universal Studios Stage 5 and on the set of It Feeds, which is currently going up in flames. How did she get here? Obviously, the police come and question Laura, and she tells them what happened and the very little she can remember, including seeing a figure in the corner of her room just before her sleeping pills kicked in and she fell asleep. The police seem skeptical, and now she's a material witness in a major crime, so she can't go back home to the UK. No! Sorry! Sorry! The police escort Laura back to the hotel and check her room. Laura realises she's likely not a material witness, rather the number one suspect, so she asks to check the hotel CCTV footage. With the police officer, they go to speak to hotel security and are granted access. There is absolutely nothing on any of the camera recordings to support Laura's abduction. In fact, it's more incriminating as she's seen on camera walking by herself. <laughs> her old habit of sleepwalking, it's, it's fairly weak. But what about the dead body in the shower? All Laura knows is that the guest house, one of the victims, dies by being burned alive in the shower. As Laura is mulling this over in the hotel lobby, Beverly approaches her. Beverly knows about the fire. She doesn't know who said it or who died, but she knows it has to do with Laura. And she wants to help her. On the way to the studio, Beverly tells Laura she believes in curses, but doesn't believe there is a guest house curse. Laura wants to start their investigation with Brad, the guy playing the needleman, but it's a dead end, so they move to the costume department. But again, it's a wash. They leave to go back to the hotel and agree to meet up later. In the hotel parking lot, paparazzi hound Laura until she's able to get inside. A man in a demon's t-shirt tells the paparazzo to quit it and offers to help Laura escape, but that's just too much like the time in the supermarket a woman tried to kidnap her. That was the incident that drove her family to the UK and away from Hollywood. As Laura rushes inside the hotel, she's sure she hears someone call out, Polly! In the elevator, Laura video calls Mike. She doesn't want to talk about what's happened. She wants him to talk to the police and get her out of LA. Again, Mike urges Laura to go public about being Polly. So she ends the call, placating him with assurances that she'll think about it. Entering her hotel room, Laura finds it trashed. Her mirror is smashed and her journal is stolen. The paper fortune teller has been purposely placed on top of her suitcase, which she finally got from the airline, and inside all her clothes have been shredded. Well, all except a yellow cotton dress, a replica of Tammy's dress. Yeah, that wasn't there before. As she leaves the hotel, Amy is standing in the doorway. Amy had been in New York for work 
And when she heard Laura was in LA, she caught a flight over, knowing Laura might find being there difficult. You know what, Amy? You're a shit person. I don't think I believe you. Despite Laura telling her to stop, Amy starts snapping pictures of the room, you know, for photographic evidence. I don't believe any of this. <laughs> Grabbing the remnants of her stuff, they leave and head to the trashy motel Amy's staying in, and Laura confronts Amy for telling Mike who she was. Apparently, it was an accident when she was drunk, and Laura bailed on her birthday party for an interview. Fine. But uh, who else knows? And why are they targeting her? Later, while eating Chinese food, Amy is scrolling on her phone and tells Laura there are unconfirmed reports that the fire shower victim was Todd Terror. Making Laura feel even worse, Amy tells her the guest house turns 30 this year and you know how murderers love an anniversary. And I don't know about you, Amanda, but knowing that the guest house is made in 1993 and that it was 30 years old anniversary, I shriveled and turned to dust as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it made me want to vomit. <laughs> well, they need to stra- the two sisters need to start strategizing. So Amy compiles a list of how people died in the movie. One, falling. Two, burning. Three, spider bites. Four, drowning. Five, decapitated. (laughs) Six, buried alive. Seven, stabbed. And finally, eight, hanged. (laughs) No. But Todd was burned, so it seems the order has been broken. Though in It Feeds, the first death is spider bites. Ugh. So basically, they have absolutely no idea what could happen next. However, Laura keeps remembering the man who jumped when she first arrived in LA. As they settle down to sleep, Laura asks her sister, What if she set the fire but she just doesn't remember? Could I be a paranoid maniac in my sleep? Claire asks herself. Yikes. The next morning, Laura calls her mom back in the UK. Pamela Tremaine would hate what she has become as dementia takes her memories and independence. Pamela Tremaine was told about the fire, so Laura reassures her she's okay and that Amy flew to LA the day before and is with her now. Curiously, Pamela Tremaine says that Amy has been in LA for two weeks and that she promised to bring her back some saltwater taffy. Laura tries to convince herself her mother is confused, but the seed of doubt is planted. And then Amy tries to persuade Laura to tell her story, a suggestion that sounds just like Mike. Unfortunately, it makes sense to weaponize the truth. Amy pulls out her phone and hits record. After a cathartic session recounting what has happened, Laura checks her Instagram. Her follow account has exploded. Side note, fictional hangover also on Instagram, so you know. Yeah, please make ours explode. (laughs) And she's also been tagged in a bunch of posts, some of which out her as Polly Tremaine. Deciding not to feed the trolls, Laura DMs Kyle Williamson, who just friended her. She wants to meet up and Kyle replies with her address. 
Before they head over, Laura challenges Amy about when she flew into LA. Amy reiterates it was two nights ago. But you know, Laura isn't wholly convinced. And neither are we. On the way to Kyle's, they stop by a cell phone store to change their SIM cards in case they're being tracked. During the meeting, Amy records Kyle. She mentions how she doesn't trust the show Psychic because she heard Beverly was arrested for a murder and is called the Psycho Psychic. But that murder was ruled a suicide and the charges were dropped. When Amy excuses herself to go snoop, oh, I mean, excuse me, sorry, use the bathroom, Kyle changes the topic to Laura and the guest house. As they talk, Laura spots a dark shape outside in the pool. Then it moves and steps out of the pool. It's the Needleman from the TV show. Suddenly, the Needleman is in the house, behind Kyle. He slashes down toward Kyle's skull, and Laura conveniently blacks out. She comes to, to screaming from Kyle's assistant, and in her hand is a bloody knife. Amy comes in and drags Laura out. Outside, Laura is starting to think she killed Kyle, but Amy keeps telling her she didn't do it. The assistant brought the water and she probably spiked it. It's worrying, though, that Laura's blackouts have started again. With sirens blaring in the background, Laura and Amy head away from Kyle's house. Unfortunately, Beverly pulls up to them and they get in her car, and Beverly takes them to her apartment. While Amy is standoffish with Beverly, she's not just standoffish, she's being an absolute bitch. Beverly freely answers Laura's questions, including about the girl who died. She'd performed an exorcism, but hadn't been told the girl was into some pretty extreme cult practices, and two weeks later, she killed her family before killing herself. Damn. Amy tries to push Laura out the front door as Beverly begs to help, but her honesty and earnestness sway Laura so this day. Amy continues to try to persuade Laura to leave and says that they can figure things out on their own because she doesn't trust the psycho psychic. Laura heads outside to the balcony where Beverly is chain smoking. They talk and Beverly admits she never felt anything spooky or unnerving on the It Feeds set. Beverly also doesn't think the guest house or It Feeds are cursed. Rather, it's an entity or an attachment, something malevolent looking for opportunities. Beverly doesn't deny it when Laura asks if the entity is attached to her. But to be fair, she also doesn't confirm it, so you know what? Time for a seance. Yay! Yay! Every seance in every book we've ever read always goes well. Right, yeah. For no one. (laughs) despite Beverly's protests Amy records the seance worryingly Beverly pulls out Kyle's murder knife still covered in blood Laura follows Beverly's instructions and feels the darkness closing she senses a figure in the darkness whispering Polly the needleman tells Laura to kill her but Laura screams stop and lunges for the needleman her hands wing round its throat Amy pulls Laura away from Beverly, who Laura is joking. (laughs) 
They watch Amy's recording, but there's no needle man, just Laura looking possessed. Beverly suggests that it could be demonic parasites, something that feeds on trauma. To get rid of it, they need to find its power source that will be linked to the origin of the trauma. Destroy the object, destroy the parasite. Laura suggests the original film reels in Todd Terror's office. Amy doesn't believe any of this at all. Then what do you believe, Amy? Sorry, I just got mad at Amy. No, it's fine. She believes in herself and her divine right to be an actor. (sighs) Which, spoilers, we haven't talked about, but it's there throughout. Security at the studio is tight, and Laura's name being flashed all over the news in connection to Kyle's death are going to be uh, a challenge. Laura's solution, make Madeline help them get in. For obvious reasons, Madeline is reluctant and tries to call the cops. Laura stops her and, with a fireplace poker, makes a very persuasive argument as to why it would benefit Madeline to help them. Within minutes, they're out the door and heading for the studio. Madeline is able to get them inside. Amy is in awe. It's always been her dream to be an actor. But unfortunately, all she ever hears are rejections. Together, they make their way up to Todd's office and find the original The Guest House reels displayed behind glass. Smashing the glass, Laura takes down the eight film canisters, passing them around to carry to the burned bathroom before dumping the contents into the shower stall Todd died in. Beverly passes a lighter, and Laura sparks the reels. Too fixated on the burning film, none of them see Madeline disappear. As they move to look for her, the set begins to shake and collapse, separating Laura from Amy and Beverly. Laura is disorientated, not sure if she blacked out again, and resisting the rising panic, she tries to escape the collapsing set when she sees a body swinging and hears a voice say, Polly! Laura tries desperately to help the person who, she is convinced, is Beverly down, but spiders cover the body and the rope. More and more every second. And this, my friends, is where Amanda says, nope. All the rest of the stuff, fine. Fine. Uh-uh. Not spiders. No. Mm-mm. No. Finally, using all her strength, Laura lifts Beverly down, only to see that it's Adeline. She's covered in spider bites foaming at the mouth and bloating. Laura then spots Beverly on the ground and groaning. Performing CPR, Laura gets Beverly breathing again and up, just as Amy comes in. They need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, they do. In the car, Beverly confesses she felt the entity, and it was pure rage. Laura considers handing herself to the cops, but the whole situation feels like something other is responsible. In between her sarcastic responses and scoffing, Amy suggests she call a friend for help, but won't say who it is. With no brother option, they head to this friend's hotel. Guess what? The mysterious friend? Mike. (sighs) Fucking Amy, come on. Clearly, Mike isn't here in a professional capacity, but he certainly questions Laura like a journalist. 
He keeps looking at her strangely, and Laura doesn't like it. Regardless, he wants to help and has already spoken to a lawyer. Laura, Amy, and Beverly retire to a second hotel room. While Amy's in the bathroom, Beverly admits to Laura that she may be wrong and that it's maybe not a demonic parasite, maybe not even a demon at all, but a person. Ooh. Oh, no. The next morning, Mike brings pastries and coffee. Beverly wants to ditch Mike. He's an unnecessary complication, regardless of Amy's protest that Mike has a credit card they can use. Eventually, Mike takes the hint and leaves, giving Laura the lawyer's business card before he goes. Wondering about Beverly saying it's a person, not an entity, Laura starts scrolling through her Instagram. One DM stands out. It's from the guy in the demon's t-shirt, Brian Ehrenberg, who Laura remembers was also a child actor in the guest house. Despite Amy urging her to block him, Laura DMs Brian and he sends his address for her to come over. They head straight over to Brian's, and as soon as he opens his front door, Laura and Beverly jump him and spray Mace in his eyes. (laughs) Charming! That is not an appropriate hostess gift. No. Laura demands to know what he knows about the Needleman, which is... nothing. Just as Beverly is about to mace him again, Brian calls out to Amy by name for help um what turns out brian is making a documentary and amy is a part of it he even flew her out to la a couple weeks ago and the hatred for amy grows In exchange for introductions with agents, Amy would help him get Laura and has been recording her sister, not for evidence for, you know, the police or to help with all of these murders, but for the documentary. Laura doesn't understand what she's done to Amy for her to betray her like this, but she knows that Amy's too self-absorbed and desperate for Hollywood. Amy has clearly crossed a line here, friends. And we hate her. She's crossed the line a long time ago. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, Brian shows them his horror movie memorabilia, and it's, um, yeah, it's impressive. Not creepy at all. It's creepy. It's fine. Brian is a podcaster now. Hey. And has been working on his documentary about the guest house for years. He's got a rough cut editor together and offers to show them. The guest house writer Yvonne Lincoln's interview is interesting and she is currently in prison for the murder of her husband despite claiming it was self-defence. Amy, looking through some of Brian's letters, asks who Ivan Rothschild is. The story of the guest house was originally his concept before he was booted by Christopher Rosenthal and Yvonne Lincoln took over. Ivan never received credit. This could be something. Brian is in touch with Yvonne Lincoln, but she won't talk to anyone else. Laura insists she'll speak to Polly Tremaine. Brian has done a great job with prosthetics. A wig and a thick layer of makeup transform Laura into Callie Turner. Once confirmation for their visit to the California Institute for Women comes through, they head out. Straight away, Brian starts sweating, laughing nervously, and acting weird to the reception guard. 
Thankfully, Laura has more wherewithal and blames his jitters on too much coffee, which gets him inside and to Yvonne Lincoln. When Yvonne questions who Laura Callie is, Laura tells her they met when she was a kid, and Yvonne called her the sweetest thing you'd ever seen, a star. Instantly, Yvonne knows this is Polly, and she's all grown up. As they talk, Yvonne tells Laura that since she's still alive, he has big things planned for her, the Needleman. Yvonne explains at first he was in her dreams at night, then during the day. He poisoned her husband against her, made him attack her, and she defended herself. Yvonne's experience is nothing like Laura's. Laura begs Yvonne to tell her where Ivan Rothschild is. Since the story started with him, it stands to reason that it ends with him. Yvonne tells her Ivan's address. As they leave, Yvonne warns her Ivan is a freaky fuck, so make sure you go during the daytime. This should be interesting. <laughs> Laura, Beverly, Amy, and Brian head to see Ivan Rothschild. On the drive, Amy tries to get Laura's forgiveness, but <laughs> nah, dog, not gonna happen. Eventually, they reach an Elm Street-style house, and Ivan's daughter, Ruth, answers, looking worn out. Ivan died earlier this week. He jumped from a bridge near LAX. Oh my god, that's the guy that Laura saw jump. Ruth invites them in, and she tells them how Ivan got more and more paranoid and distant this past year and refused to see a doctor. Mentioning a script Laura loaned Ivan, Ruth leads them to his office and leaves them to look. There's a lot of occult research and a doodle of the needleman on the back of a creepy picture. <laughs> One photo is of the guest house and an attached article. The guest house is based on a real place, Gimlet Point Guest House in Craven, California, which closed after a series of unexplained deaths. Checking on her map app, Laura sees it's only two hours away in the middle of the Mojave. They take a break in a diner on the way to Craven, where Amy and Brian try again to persuade Laura to be interviewed for the documentary. Laura protests because people don't want the truth. Then she admits she saw Rothschild jump. Laura is convinced there is something strange going on and they must be missing something important. They continue on a bit further before checking into a motel to rest and strategize a plan of action for Gimlet Point. After a bit of bantering about horror movies, Laura realises she won't survive Gimlet Point. She takes off her disguise, puts on the Tammy Manners dress, and agrees to be interviewed. The interview goes well because Laura insists Amy conducts it, so it feels more like a chat. Laura answers each question, and when Amy asks about the curse, Laura admits she saw Vince Madsen fall from the roof and die. She never told anyone that, and it's the reason she never believed there was a curse. After a few more questions about what's happening now, Amy calls an end to the interview. Composing herself in the bathroom, Laura sees the needleman in the mirror's reflection. Then she and Amy take a walk outside. When they return to the motel room, they find the room dark. The guest house playing on the TV Beverly having a seizure on the floor, and Brian's blood filling the bath, and his body sucked through the floor. 
on the bathroom mirror is scrawled, You're mine, Polly. Beverly doesn't know what happened. She heard voices, saw the TV change, and then just blacked out. This is the fifth time it's happened this week, and every time someone is killed. Laura then spots her journal on the bedside. Turns out, Beverly stole it from her hotel room because she wanted to help and thought it would be useful. Amy is concerned that Beverly is the killer, and it makes a lot of sense. Despite Beverly's begging, Laura and Amy leave. They plan to head straight to Gimlet Point after stopping at a gas station for supplies first. You know, Mountain Dew, M&M's, and two gallon cans of fuel. On the way, Laura looks through her journals and notices strange and violent entries she does not remember writing, but they're in her handwriting. Amy says the only explanation is that Beverly is the killer and she's setting Laura up and she's faked the journal entries as evidence. When they're in the gas station, the attendant seems to transform into the needle man and rasps, Polly, and grabs Laura. She struggles to get free and in the end bites him, just as the LA police detective and Mike pull up outside. Laura's timing is terrible. They try to escape the gas station, but the detective spots them and orders them to freeze with her gun out, while Mike tries to talk to Laura. Laura will not be dissuaded and smashes and crunches their car out of the gas station and tears away. How did they find her? Amy thinks it was Beverly. Throughout the drive, Laura sees flashes of ghosts on the roadside and hears messages in the songs on the radio with the needleman's voice. He knows they're coming. Soon, they reach Gimlet Point. It looks plush and lived in, not abandoned. Laura calls out to Ivan Rothschild, but she gets no response. Yeah, because she saw him kill himself. So it's time (laughs) to spread the fuel before setting the guesthouse ablaze from the doorway. Behind them is Beverly. She pushes both Laura and Amy back inside, follows, then locks them inside with the fire. A knife-wielding Beverly tells Laura to stop running. It ends now. She also shouts at Amy, Shut the hell up! And we both rejoice. Finally! (laughs) Beverly has been trying to help Laura the whole time, but there is something she's suppressed, buried, so deep down she's convinced herself it never happened, but she has to remember. The past starts clutching at Laura as Mike appears. He urges them to get out because the house is on fire. No shit, Sherlock. Duh. Duh. Mike manages to get to them, holds Beverly back so Laura and Amy can escape, but the ceiling collapses, barring their exit. They've got no choice but to go up and out a window. Don't go upstairs. All the time. Don't go you upstairs. never go upstairs in a fire. That is the worst thing to do in a fire. And in a horror movie. Yes. All the time, Beverly is telling Laura the thing inside her has been with her since 1993. Laura remembers the way her mother treated her, abused her and used her. It makes her heart sick. After a bad incident with her mother, she remembers running away to the soundstage. As the memories flood Laura, she can feel something coming up her throat and she vomits out a black thing which writhes and grows and transforms into the needle man. What the actual fuck? Yeah. 
Beverly says it's a parasite made of rage and trauma. The needleman lunges at Laura, but Mike jumps in its way and the claw goes into his gut. Laura is able to fight the needleman by torching him with a baton made from a bit of burning stair. Together, they support Mike and head up to the attic, the needleman stalking them, banging and stabbing the locked door. The attic looks like a child's playroom. Only Laura can see Tammy Manners slash Polly Tremaine in the corner. Creepy. As Amy finds a way out, Mike dies. Shrug. It doesn't even get a womp womp. Shrug. The needleman bursts open the attic door and Beverly stands up to confront it, beseeching Laura to face her trauma. Laura finally admits, after a particularly bad argument with her mom in the studio, she ran up to the attic of the set. She was looking down below when the needleman appeared and grabbed her. When he said she couldn't be up there, rage filled her. It's exact words her mom said. She was charged with absolute burning flames, burning. So she pushed him. Polly climbed down the set and watched Vince Madsen die. When she heard someone coming, she hid under the craft service table and watched Crystal Rosenthal remove the needleman costume from Vince. Laura must have killed them all. Todd, Kyle, Madeline, Brian and Mike. But Beverly tells her it wasn't her. It was the killer inside her. Again, yes. (laughs) The needleman isn't done yet though. He lunges toward Laura, but Beverly steps in and takes the blow to her neck. Damn it. As Beverly dies, Laura steps toward the needleman and pushes it from the roof into the flames below. One year later, in England, Laura is visiting Amy on the set of the BBC show Knock Twice. Mike came through in death, The lawyer he arranged was scary and amazing, and she got the charges thrown out based on circumstantial evidence. I don't know how she did that. She must be magical. Because Laura's straight-up murderer. (laughs) Anyway, Amy deleting all the recordings that she made the entire time helped a little bit. Amy nervously asks Laura to sit. She has something to ask her. It Feeds is being resurrected, and they want her to play Tammy. Um, (gasps) do you mind? (sighs) The question is disingenuous, because Amy has already accepted the role. It's going to be so good for us, she says. These are trigger words for Laura, after all she went through with their mother, and she needs to go to the bathroom. As Laura stares at her reflection, she sees a shadow behind her. A needle shadow? She can hear Amy's voice ringing in her ears. After everything that happened, Amy wants to dig it all up and disrupt her peace. Amy's the worst. (laughs) Laura feels a lump in her throat and she swallows down the rage. From outside the bathroom, there is a sound of grunting and writhing, gasping and choking breaths and footsteps 
a tap, tap, tap at the door. Polly! Outside the studio, there are clusters of flowers and cards dedicated to Amy. If only Amy had turned down, it feeds. Amy had been seduced by Hollywood and faced the consequences of her decisions. It was the same with the people who saw Polly suffer at the hands of her mother and stood by and did nothing. They were complicit, and they faced the consequences. Laura takes a folded piece of paper from her pocket and places it amongst the cards. She never got to give Amy her fortune. As Laura walks to her car, she pulls out a full box of matches, just waiting to be used. Credits roll. (laughs) This would be such a good movie. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Right, well, why are we going to pen that script with Josh? Messages from another podcast. Yeah. Hi there, I'm Volley, one of the hosts of the Reading Queens podcast. If you love books, fandom discussions, and having a good time, join your new internet friends as we take on such topics and more. Hosted by a group of published authors, Reading Queens is a podcast for every book lover. Every week, we get together to blab about our favorite books, why we love them, and the book boyfriends we wish were real. You can find the episodes on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other platforms, with a new episode launching every Wednesday. Thanks. Now back to the show. I just I just can't get over the fact that, like, this would be such a good movie. Yes. Well, I mean, to be fair to Josh, he is also, you know, an entertainment journalist himself. He knows movies. He understands movies. Yeah. Um, so I think he will he think in terms of doing. movies as well and understands how it would work on paper and how it could be visually done as well. Yeah. Yeah. But then I also think a lot... We, we read a lot of British horror. We read a heck of a lot of British horror. We do. And a lot of it would be absolutely bloody brilliant if we could see it on the screen. Yes. Yeah. Brought to you by Fictional Hangover. Bloody brilliant. Yeah, really. Come on. Help us out here. Blow up our Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Fictional Hangover. (laughs) No, this one's Fictional Hangover. We don't have to do Fictional Hangover anymore. Except except for on Redbubble. That's true. Which also, yeah, go, to, Red go to Redbubble and buy some things. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the goat pants that I mentioned making in oh. the last episode. Because that just, it didn't work out. That's not how the template Distraught. works. Distraught. Yeah. Because it would either be like really stretched out the way the way the pattern worked. It would be like a G-O over here and, a, and an A-T all the way over here. Or it like would be sucked into your butt crack. There's no, there's no in between. So maybe yeah. it just needs to be a goat tail. But even still, it Anywho. it would disappear. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work, Claire. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about burning the negative. No, which was we're not. We're talking about needle shadows. Needle shadows are the best kind of shadows. I not shadow puppets. No, I t- I take back what I said. I don't want to see needle shadows. I don't. I don't want to. I was to gonna do that. say. I know. I know. Do you 
Do you think Laura was like suffering from multiple personalities? Or is it associative disorder? I can't remember the actual... Uh, dissociative identity disorder. That's it. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. Yes. Um, for the reason like, why I can was... pull that up readily, please see The Dead House by Don Craig. <laughs> Obvs. Like, she's obviously... She she went through some shit with her mother. Her mother is awful. Yes. And quite honestly, I don't think any of the characters in this book are particularly likable. No, that like, I was really dreading like filling out our notes and putting favorite character because they're all terrible. If I have to I'm pick, still undecided. If I have to pick one, I guess I'm going to pick Beverly because I feel like she was genuinely trying the whole time to help. <laughs> She's the only one. Yeah, I get that. Everyone else was just yeah. trying to take advantage of Laura or, you know, was Laura and therefore a murderer. So, like, <laughs> Beverly's the only one. Or complicit in the abuse of a child. Yes. Yes. Just they're, awful? Just they're awful? all bad. They're all bad. And that's amazing. We've talked about this before in several episodes where, like, it takes a really good writer to write characters that you hate. Yes. And I like the fact that, I mean, there was nobody in the lineup who was, like, a genuinely nice person. And you are right, Beverly, we guess, is probably, the like, the least awful of a bad bunch but you know she's still the one who put the fortune teller in beverly's that's hotel true. room oh she's oh. the one who stole the journal she you know, did. she wasn't a good person necessarily no. but I, she I thought was of, at least trying to help i thought of someone who could be good vince Always. vince the guy who was dressed up as the Needleman, and they kept that whole thing secret, which I thought was really cool. But they had to keep it a secret because, you know, he was murdered. But he was trying to help her. He was trying to stop her from, like, falling off the set. He didn't... That's true. He just happened to be dressed up as the Needleman at the time. So... Brian wasn't too bad either. He... he, 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 Brian wasn't too bad. But he was making a documentary. But he was making a documentary. He was making a documentary. However, he freely admits to Laura that he is making a documentary about the guest house, that he's enthusiastic about the guest house. He does not lie to Laura about making the documentary or disguise the fact that, you know, he knows Amy. He admit he's he calls to Amy. It's Amy who has lied to Laura about the documentary. So I think, again, Brian is probably one of the lesser of the evils. And he does instantly help. Yeah. He doesn't at all say, uh, hang on, you, you were there back in 93 when the murders started happening and you're here now when the murders are starting to happen. And it's quite coincidental slash fairly obvious that you must have something to do with it because of your mere presence. Yeah. He doesn't question it. He's just like, yeah, you want some help? That's fine. I'm going to get you into the prison. Let's get your prosthetic. Oh, let's get the prosthetics. So he does try and You're help right. rubbish at the guard. He, yeah, the guard. I, I liked that. Like that scene, I could just see it happening as a montage. 
And he was like putting on a big fake nose and they're like swapping out noses and like trying different eyebrow shapes. And I can just see it all happening. He's got a thousand wigs and they're putting on all of the wigs. I I want to see where she goes in and out of like the changing room a few times to find the right outfit as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And then when at the end, you all collapse onto the sofa. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that would it's, I think that would be too much fun and silliness. Yes, but that's what I want. I want that breaking moment of like this is a horrible movie where everybody is getting murdered. Mm-hmm. There is no very few redeemable characters. Let's have this ridiculous scene and it's kind of like it's this is very much an homage to a horror movies as well, the oh, horror yes. genre. Oh yeah. Well, let's have that silly montage scene as, again, an homage to the 90s movies. Yes. Where we had those. So, yeah, I want that. I want a a good montage scene. Yeah. I don't even know how to, like, talk about this book because so much Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. But I love... A lot more than I was expecting. Yeah, but I love all of it. And I really appreciated the like the whole redoing recreating a popular movie from the 90s and trying to redo it and trying to make it better and so like there's all these murders and then people are actually getting murdered at the same time and so they're trying to figure out okay who's gonna get murdered next and how but then they can't figure it out because they've missed one of the original they they missed the ivan rothschild killing himself so they don't count that and then you know there's the bathtub fire which how does that even happen a fire in a bathtub and then like where do the spiders come from i just love all of it and then it gets all mixed up for the reboot and that just makes it more confusing and more terrifying and i love it that's it. The murders are wacky and weird and wonderful. Yeah. So the spy Madeline getting covered in the spiders. I can't help but feel that's in Laura's imagination. Laura sees the spiders. Because one, where did the spiders come from? And two, where did the spiders go? Nobody else saw the spiders. So that's got to be in Laura's head. Imaginary spiders. Yes. So the reaction Madeline has is an allergic reaction but I can't remember in the book if it's ever said that she has an allergy to something. Like, did she give her a peanut or a strawberry or something that would cause that reaction? Yeah, I don't know. And they they do ask if, like, if she has an EpiPen. And, like, no, she doesn't. So I can't... She was also hanging, though, wasn't she? She was. But also, she's just been at Fire Poker Point, dragged from her house. She's not necessarily going to have... In, uh, while she was busy doing yoga, she's not necessarily going to have the EpiPen in the pocket. Well, and Brian gets sucked into the ground. What did Laura really do with Brian? Did she chop him up into bits? Is Brian bits? I don't know. He might be. Is Brian bits and being packaged and sold as horror memorabilia? I don't know. I don't know. I love that, though. I love... And as much as I hate Amy, I kind of half want to see the story from her perspective because she wouldn't have seen the spiders. 
when did Laura slip out to, you know, cause a seizure in Beverly and or murder Brian? Because there are points where there's obvious separation, but I'm kind as much as I just do not want to be in Amy's head because Amy is an insipid annoying She's the character. Worst. And I'm sorry, Josh, but you did not give her any redeemable features no, or make her you in didn't. any way no. empathetic. She was annoying. She was the worst. But I like that. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, cause <laughs> similarly to when we're going shut Chad last week, I was going shut Amy. <laughs> Nobody wants you here, Amy. You're a bad sister, Amy. God, like I would, I want, I'm interested to see from her perspective, and it's also very coincidental that Ivan Rothschild jumped off the bridge. Is this as part like a part stimulant for this spree? So it does also kind of make me think: Is the Needleman real as well? I mean, I th- oh, that's kind of what I wanted to. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, Laura is an untrustworthy narrator. But there's some there's some stuff that happens and you just like, how could she possibly have done that? Like Brian being sucked into the floor. How? Todd's how? murder fine. Kyle's murder fine. Ivan's jump weird. The spiders, or at least the allergic reaction, suspect. Yeah. So, like, is the Needleman real, or is the curse real, or is this demonic possession, or, like, there's so many options, and I don't know the answer to any of any of these questions, which makes it even better. I, I don't think the curse is real, or if you want to label the curse, the curse is Laura, because... The original set, of the original 90s movie people, they, it kind of explained at the end, the reason they were killed was because they were complicit in the abuse of Polly. Yes. When she was little. Yeah. Um, the new ones, they're all obvious reasons connected to the terrible remake that's been done. Yes. Amy, thank God, she doesn't need an explanation. Yeah, she deserved to be murdered. If anyone deserved to be murdered, it was Amy. Exactly. So I absolutely love the fact that throughout, I'm one, running, reaching for the bad guy. Obviously. And two, which is also a bit of a surprise, a seven-year-old pulled off so much murder. Like, the pushing I get, the first one, of Vince, I get that. Uh Uh-huh. But then the other ones. Like, how did she infect Yvonne with the Needleman thing? Which makes me think the Needleman has some reality. He's got to. He's got to. He is not a demonic parasite. He's a curse. He is Polly's protector. Oh, he's Polly's BFF. Yeah, he's he's quote unquote guardian angel oh they're gonna hold hands with needle fingers and like skip off to the playground yes so then maybe going back a little bit the favorite character isn't beverly it's the needle man he's the hero needle man he's the one he's the one who's saving polly now laura 
Yeah, he's a hero. Have we cracked the case? I think we did. We just figured it out. Oh. Oh. He's a hero. On that bombshell, should we go into Would You Rather? I think we should. (laughs) (laughs) We're very excited for this edition. Uh, Well, in general, yes. (laughs) But we're very excited for this game of Would You Rather because we're joined by Josh Winning, the author of this fantastic book. So thank you for joining us, Josh. We're so glad that you're here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this. Oh, not as excited as us. We're going to be calm and composed. I always sound sarcastic when I say stuff like that, but I really mean it. Like, I'm I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) It's like whenever I try and offer sympathies to people, I don't sound genuine. Uh, No, no, I mean it. hmm, You look lovely today as well. I'm like that when someone gives me a present and you can tell that they really want to get like a really positive reaction from you. And I'm just, I've got, even if I really like it, I feel the pressure to manufacture this flamboyantly enormous uh, reaction that obviously comes across (laughs) as just completely ridiculous. Oh my God, I'm so excited about these socks. Yes. (laughs) And genuinely, you need a new pair of socks because all the ones you've got have got holes in or don't have matching sets. Right. And you really love them. But it all sounds fake. People need socks. People do need socks. I I would actually dispute that because I don't like socks. Oh. I think if you wear socks to bed, you're a psychopath. Oh, no, don't. Oh, no. And if I have to wear socks with shoes, that's fine. But as soon as I get in the house, shoes come off, socks come off. I can't stand having socks on my feet. Same. There's a place for socks and it's not in bed. Oh, no. Completely. No. To tell if if you actually ever meet anybody and they wear and they say I wear socks to bed, it's a red flag and you get walk away. Out. Walk away. Walk away. <laughs> Just walk nope away. right out of there. Do not get. Yeah, in the which bed is appropriate you. for this month's book theme. Thank you, Amanda. <gasps> book challenge theme is nope, and of course, every freaking situation in this book is a nope situation. It is. It definitely is, and that is but, why we love it. So we should play. Would you rather? What's our first question? It is. We asked on social media, would you rather start in the original movie or the Netflix series remake? And on Facebook, 80% are going to be in the Netflix remake. On Instagram, they're 100% original, baby. And on TikTok, it's 67% for the original. And we do have some comments which are often helpful in your own response. So Emily on Facebook said, I would like to choose neither because I don't want to die while shooting either. To which we pointed out, and this is a very key important point of playing Would You Rather, you are the lord and master of your Would You Rather experience, so you can mould your response to however you want. It doesn't have to fall 100% in line to the book. To which Emily responded with, hmm, you make an excellent point. I shall go for the Netflix remake because I know, because I would have done the research and tried to avoid dying like how my character did. That's smart. I like that. That logic. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, definitely. Brie on Facebook said, I'm going to star in the remake because I can come to it fresh instead of carrying the emotional baggage of the cast and crew deaths. I'd rather be a fascinated fan after the fact, who makes it accessible for a new generation of audience. Mm-hmm. So Brie was like kind of the exact opposite. Yeah, I like that. I like that she's she's thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> Brie always yeah, puts thoughts in her responses. Yes, we always have very good responses. 
And thankfully, Constance hasn't done this as a song, which is, she stopped doing that, thank God. Her response was, I choose the original. I'd be the final girl, Sydney, that survives through it all and watches the dumb people die during the remake. Yeah. If you're going to be anyone, be Sydney Prescott. Yeah, definitely. She's be just the Sydney best. Prescott. I love her. Yes. Yeah. Coral on Facebook says, original sometimes are better than a remake. Oh. I mean, almost always. Mm. They're almost always better. Yeah. Yeah. Glim Glam Jen on Instagram. The Netflix series remake, but it's all real. They kidnapped me and the other actors and put us in the same situations and filmed us. But what if it's in space? Well, they locked us in one of those biosphere things and are tricking us. Ooh. She always goes next level. She really, really does. <laughs> and I actually, I want to go, and Claire, we did not talk about this in the in our discussion i actually thought this is what happened for like just one no they didn't go to space (laughs) that that it was all the trick and they were being filmed there was the one scene where like the building starts to like shake and crumble and laura's separated from everyone else and in my head i saw that it was it was one of those like rooms in like nightmare on elm street jamaraquai room Yes, it's a Jamiroquai room. The whole thing is like t- being turned upside down on the set. And she doesn't know that any of this is happening. But obviously, I was wrong. That would have been such a good twist if there was like a Truman Show style situation going on. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> Look, Maybe that should have been the ending of this book. You're friends with Fictional Hangover now. We'll take care of you. We have oh, good you. ideas. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what we eventually, well, when we eventually do our anthology of um, fan fiction homages, second epilogues, mm-hmm. we'll, that we'll put that in there. We will. Yeah. We will. Amazing. So we have one more comment. It's from author friend Real Jackson Ford on Instagram, and he chooses always the original. We have to we have to mention real Jackson Ford when he comments because he's he's a fantastic human being. He's determined oh. to be on every single episode. Yeah. With brilliant taste. Yeah. He's pretty great. By the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Josh, what are you doing? Okay. Can I swear? Am I allowed to swear on this? Please, for yeah. the love of fuck. <laughs> oh, okay. We're made of swears. You can like, drop the C bomb. We don't care. We do Whoa, like that one. Okay, yeah, right. we like that one. We're fully Please accessible. Do. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, I agree with probably half of the comments because, in the words of Sidney Prescott, don't fuck with the original. Right. Just don't do it. Yeah. So I would have to be the original. Like, I, I love a lot of what Netflix have done. I love the Dark Crystal series, but I mean, that was a prequel rather than a remake. So that's kind of like playing a different ball game. Um, But yeah, I totally agree. The original is always better. I can't really think of that many remakes that I either A, like or prefer over the original. I have one and I don't (gasps) prefer it over the original because the original is my favorite horror movie of all all time and the new one wasn't a remake it was a prequel or no it wasn't a prequel it was happening simultaneously after the fact i don't know whatever Candyman. 
I really, Ooh. really loved the new one and how he was. Have you seen? Have you seen the new one? I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, I have. I really, yeah. I enjoyed a lot of it. I yeah. loved the, um, I loved the opening with the legend of Helen and how that had become his own myth that had grown yeah. out of the Candyman myth. It was that was really clever. Yeah, that was a good one. I will take that. Anytime one. shadow puppetry is used in a movie <laughs> as well is an instant win for me. Especially if it's a needle shadow, which needle we discuss oh, needle a lot. We need some needle shadows. In the main episode, everywhere. we need some needle shadows. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you'd need to do a cosplay yeah. for this one, Amanda, but all it is is needle shadows. That's all I want. I don't want anything else need- but needle shadows. I can handle that. I can handle that. It's been I'd a little while. It. Yeah, it's, it's been, been too long. While. It's been too long. We need some needle shadows. Doing it. On it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> what so about you, you, Claire? Would you want would you want to be the original or the remake? Uh original. Um yeah, I can't think of any remake. I mean, even on the Would You Rather image and I was thinking about it, I went, What Netflix have done that's a remake or reimagining that's absolute trash, but the original movies are quite good. And the only thing I could think of was Resident Evil. <laughs> because the, as much as the Resident Evil series gets really bad, <laughs> the first one's really good. And I will defend it to my dying day that the first one is really, really good. But I, I suffered that Resident Evil TV series from front to end because I'd very rarely DNF things. And it's absolutely horrendous. It is trash. Do not watch it. Oh, no. It. Don't waste your time, honestly. Go and rewatch something. You're better off rewatching something than you are to watch that TV series. It was rubbish. Um, so, yeah, I can't think of anything. Is Miller Jovovich in it? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, babe. Lance Hendrickson. She is Resident Evil. Like oh, my she God, is. Lance Hendrickson. He's awesome. Yeah. But not oh, awesome enough to save it. it sounds like. no. no, not at all. You know, I I kind of didn't hate, even though it's not Netflix, a Netflix TV series, but I kind of didn't hate the um, MTV Scream TV series. I didn't hate that. I mean, it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't Scream. But I didn't hate it. It was different. I liked that they they kind of just did their own thing. There's a different mask. Um yeah, it was fun and like it really was quite grisly. Like, isn't there a bit with a guy with a farm sort of thing that happens that's quite horrific? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that's that falls in line thing like thinking about like Wednesday. It's not a remake of the Adams families in any way, shape or form. It's taking a different route around and having that base in it where so I I really enjoyed the Wednesday series. Hmm. So it's kind of that kind of thing for me, the screen, where you know the original, and as long as you know of the original, you'll appreciate this, but you don't need to know the original to appreciate this. Yeah. yeah. I find it really weird that there will be kids who watch Wednesday and have never seen the, you know, the 90s movies. That just is, that blows my mind. The, the, Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values are two of the greatest movies. Absolutely. I can only imagine that if they didn't watch the original, like, as it was a thing, they would probably be disappointed if you come to it Mm. after the fact. Angelica Houston is a legend and she needs to be appreciated and worshipped. She's amazing. Goddess. I used used to have all of the, well, probably not all, but most of the original Black and White Adams Family TV show on VHS. I used to watch 
all the time. It was on like Channel Four or BBC or something, and oh, I used yeah. to record it on and at like six thirty or whatever. And I used to record it, and I used to watch them all the time. <laughs> Loved them. I mean that that snaps. Is that snaps? That is snaps. Yeah, I'm making noises. <laughs> <laughs> be an appropriate snap yeah yeah <laughs> yes no i think i think we're all original aren't we definitely yeah unless but, it's candy man but i will just be, be in original. all of the candy mans you'll be in all the candy mans so we'll even the shitty say, sequels we'll be the original <laughs> but then they're gonna pay us a heck of a lot of money to make a cameo in the remake if Obviously. we're still alive heck of a lot oh yeah didn't um, Bruce Campbell, he was in the Evil Dead reboot, so it wasn't really a remake, it was more of a reboot, and he's he appears right at the end of the credits and just says groovy, like that's yeah. his whole contribution, which is all you yes. want really, that's all you want him yeah, to do. That's all, that's all you need. Yeah. And is it, it Sam Raimi? Yes, Bruce Campbell's involved. Is it Evil Dead? Yes, Bruce Campbell's involved. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's move on to our second question. Would you rather realize you're actually a murderer or actually cursed? Shall I go first? Yes, please. <laughs> if you know what you're doing, I do not. Well, <laughs> I love the logic of like you've realized you're a murderer. It's like you've just suddenly, you know, a whole mess of crap's happened and you're like, wait a minute, I'm a murderer. <laughs> Second. Yeah, what? Those people screaming? Ah, oh, it all makes sense now. Okay. Blood on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I had to choose, I would choose to be actually a murderer because at least that's something I can do something about. Like, I, I can just stop killing people. Or Whereas if you're... keep yeah. killing people. Or keep or, yeah. killing people. <laughs> keep killing people. You haven't Maybe been caught people. yet. Yeah, like a vigilante. Yes. Um, whereas if you're cursed, you you're pretty much just fucked. Like the all the things I've read and seen about curses, you, there's no way of getting rid of them. You're gonna you're doomed basically. Yes. And and like cursed means you're a victim, whereas murderer means you're the opposite of a victim. Unless you start going after yourself because you realize that you're actually a murderer, and then you have to stop yourself from murdering. <laughs> That's an evolved, now that that's, is that's like... a detective genre <laughs> yeah. horror. You are both detective and murderer in that one. Yes. Let's put that on the Nemo Nemo Rhyme or list. Man. What's that? Yes. Is it a Tiffany song? I touch myself. You can just turn it into I kill myself. I kill yes. myself. Yeah. There you go. When I think about murder, I kill myself. <laughs> We're going to rewrite the lyrics to that too. Look, look for that. That will happen. <laughs> I'm obviously a murderer. If if you're just coming to the show now, like Josh is, there there is no question. I am always the villain. I am always a murderer. So I feel like we need to caveat that with a PSA that not, not actually life. a murderer in real life. <laughs> Again, we need to caveat this in a fantasy world. In a fantasy in world, fictional murder. What? What kind of murderer? Like witchy murder or like like stabby murder? Oh no, it's definitely gruesome. There's uh, definitely lots of, you know, blood splatter and gore all over the place. Nice. So you're like you're like an interior designer. Yeah. You, but you murder people. 
<laughs> and right. I'm I'm using I'm using my victims in tears. <laughs> yeah. So many layers. <laughs> so many. God, I'm so glad you're on this episode. This is amazing. <laughs> we love you already. You know us. I love you if you're if you're an interior designer murderer. <laughs> I feel like that's a, that's a real niche in the... Uh, it is. It there's is. a gap in the market there. You know, there's not many of us. Yeah. Have you seen those videos where... The, the artist videos, re- reels and stuff, where you'll see the... like the There was one I saw where it was um, a Spider-Man face and they poured rice over it and then where it landed, they drew round and then they took the rice off. So where the rice didn't land, it was Spider-Man mask and where the rice did land, it was um, Peter Parker. A real hyper-realistic. It was absolutely beautiful. Now I've got that image on my head except instead of rice, you're using blood. Uh, yeah, entrails for sure. Yeah. 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 Just swinging the intestines round, just, you know, get a nice coverage. Uh-huh. Yeah, like a oh, lasso. Tiffany. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, now we have the music video to shoot too. It's perfect. All of this and is happening. It's a Maroc set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's I don't know if I can make together. that one happen, but everything else I'm going to work and, on. And the judge. So now you're now you're on like an interior design TV series, and the judge is Bruce Campbell. And if he likes it, he says <laughs> groovy. groovy. And if he doesn't like it, he says cast you out or whatever he says to get rid of the demons. <laughs> I love all of this so much. This is happening. This is happening. T- trademarking all of this. Yeah. TM. <laughs> this is property of fictional hangover royalties shared with Josh. <laughs> I'm, I'm also going murderer, but I'm not going to answer with anything else because I can't be what you've said. You see previous <laughs> statements. Dang. <laughs> You're, are you, can you be like the, um, like the carpenter? the tradesperson who comes in and does all like the really hard stuff that that Can we can't figure out the genre there, please? <laughs> <laughs> in the interior design show you're the carpenter who comes in and builds everything <laughs> yeah i'm okay. i'm the one who's you know splattering the entrail paint on the wall and you're the one in the background going oh, gotta come in and fix that so then you come out with your hammer and then you will murder me and then you'll take uh. over <laughs> this is perfect everything about it is great yeah i'm going to turn your leg into a lamp thank you and oh, your yes goal will be some kind of like feature on like a pedestal i'm going to have some nice interesting lights yes yeah yeah i would prefer have a, a jar of your teeth thank you oh you can't see my jar of teeth it's up there Nice. Oh, nice. Is that, from, uh, is that from Cat Ellis's Harrow Lake? <laughs> no, those would be in the tree. Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry. Sorry, Cat. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? You've just invoked the curse of Mr. Jitters. Oh, nice. I, I've seen that on your social media, I think. Awesome. Yes. That's so good. And then I got to act them out in real life. And it was great. You whacked them out in real life and I played with the dolls. Yes. Perfect. Um, what's our next question? I have no idea. Would you rather be a washed up child actor or a suspicious psychic? Beverly wasn't a good psychic in the end. She saw none of that coming, did she? She, she really oh, did not. Her. She might have done. 
She might have done. Are we doing spoilers? Oh, of course. Sure. All spoilers oh, right, all the okay. time. All fucks all the time. Okay, Go on. Cool. Good rules. Um, <laughs> I think she did. I think she kind of. Um, I think she kind of slightly sacrificed herself. You know, like she knew that there was only one way this was going to come out, and it was basically this way, and yeah. she kind of had to die for it to happen. Yeah, I but did. Is love Laura though. worth it? <laughs> mm. I guess I she thought she was saving Laura, and then Laura turned out to be basically un- unsavable. Actually, a murderer. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. She doesn't have a redeeming feature. Finally. Thank you. It's amazing. Rooted for the bad guy all the time. We always do. Hooray. I've seen a few people online who are really upset about the ending. And I haven't, like, dug into what they were upset about specifically because I don't really need the negative. I'd burn the negative. Burn the negative. Um, (laughs) But I can only think that they felt that um, they wanted Laura to be, like, a a, have an uplifting final girl ending. And she kind of gets that, but... But, you know, from a really quite warped perspective, maybe. Yeah. She's the final girl because she's the friggin' murderer. Yeah. What better way to be the final girl? No, yeah, exactly. we, we are strong proponents of loose endings. Yes. Um, Open endings are... Open endings. Lovable bastards. No, lovable assholes. Assholes, sorry. Use the correct words. Buy the sorry, t-shirt. Asshole. Sorry, lovable lovable assholes. Lovable assholes. Um, and uh, irredeemable characters. Yeah. Those also, are three of my favorite things. Also, we decided that um, the Needleman is the hero because he's been keeping her safe all this time, and that um, they're best friends and they hold hands with needle fingers and skip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's precious. It is. They precious. definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like that you see him as the hero. That's really fun. Is he? Yeah, he he's kind of like a, a a messed up imaginary friend slash guardian angel. Yeah, maybe that's exactly what we said. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I love this. I've not yes. had I've not had any 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 spoilery discussions about the book before, so this is really fun that we can just talk <gasps> about spoilers. We are refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Have we I remember when Amy came on and she was like, oh. we can talk spoilers. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah. She's like, <gasps> oh my God. Just let it all hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, oh, right. There's a question. Um, there's a question. Watched I... a child act or suspicious psychic? Yeah, I would go for the suspicious psychic every every day of the week. I'd rather be suspicious than washed up. Yeah, nobody wants to be washed up. And like psychics are, are really cool. I would love to be psychic. I want to yeah. be a suspicious psychic, but I want to be on like a ghost hunting program. Because Amanda, you know how much I love spooky programs. Yeah. And tonight I'm going to be watching. I'm sorry, I'm not watching Friday the Thirteenth. Well, I'm you're watching. Wrong. I'm what I'm watching ghosty programs. There's new episodes of stuff coming out that I'm desperate to watch, and awesome. I'm going to be that weird, suspicious psychic. I'm not going to be like most haunted. Like, oh god, what was he called? Um, oh, um, Derek Akora. Yeah, Derek yeah, Akora yeah. with his spirit guide Nick. I saw Derek Akora live once. What an absolute fake. R.I.P. Derek Akora, but <laughs> he was an absolute fake. I'm, but I'm going to be a suspicious psychic on a ghost hunting program. That was that was one of my early ideas for this book was a ghost hunting program with a psychic, yes. but it ended up being something completely different, obviously. But yeah, I, I love the 
<laughs> yeah, we'll moitery. also read that one when it comes out. So, <laughs> yeah, just just write that one up. Bur we'll... Burn the negative two. Burn more negative. Burn, Burn more negative. <laughs> Burn the negative two. Call on EMF reader. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to go for some really terrible title that means it's or like, when the movie's made, it's gonna be like made for TV. And then it's gonna yeah. get cult following. And then basically all you can do you have to do for the rest of your life for a steady income is do the uh, con circuit. Yes. And be a con artist on the con circuit. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Or a murderer on the... There is a presence. actual murderer on the con circuit committing actual murder. Yeah. We've just... We've got absolutely solid gold ideas here. We really, I need to start writing them down. <laughs> you do. Don't worry. It's going to be recorded. It's all you recorded. can come yeah, back true. to it. Yeah. <laughs> it is all trademarked. This is all trademarked. Yeah. <laughs> If you do end up writing another book using all of these ideas, please yeah. like throw like just scoot fictional hangover into it. Mention us yeah. in the acknowledgments. Yeah, you know, throw throw us a bone. You'll hear us squeak if that ever ha when that what that happened once and we squeed loud. Yeah. Well, that no happened. Way. That happened with Amy McCaw. She wrote some of our things that we discussed in our episodes into her book. It was fantastic. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. You've been we immortalized were... in print. Yes. That's very exciting. It was you are everlasting. Um, I don't think I've answered this question. I don't want to be washed up. I think I did say that, so maybe I'm lying. I don't want to be a washed up child actor unless I am also actually a murderer. <laughs> that's, that's the only way. Nobody then... wants to be washed up. I don't want to be pathetic. I want to be amazing. You could be a washed-up child actor that reinvigorates their career through reality television, right, yeah. in the form of murder. Yeah. Okay. And then there's a true crime like series where they're trying to catch me, and then, and then I end up catching myself, and then it goes back <laughs> into what we were talking about earlier, and just everything so, is wrapped up on itself. And then for life, all you're doing is the true crime cir circuit. The true crime is... con circuit in which uh -huh. I am actually a murderer, murdering everyone. And then I move on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to keep doing more cons because they're trying to catch you. <laughs> but they can't. And then, yeah, you are uncatchable. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh I feel like, yeah, the washed up child actor, I feel like there's actually, there is something quite nice about being... The potential to being being washed up. I feel like you could just not give a shit anymore, you know? Just That's watch true. daytime TV, live in your pajamas. I mean, this is some stuff I already do. I'm just gonna I say it stops yeah. saving my life. <laughs> yeah. I am currently wearing pajama pants. Right, right I think now. we all are. Yeah. I've been at work all day and I work at home, so I'm in half pajama pants. <laughs> yeah. You just can't stand up on Zoom because then everyone will know. No, yes. no, you never stand up on Zoom. No, no. It's not a good idea. Okay, next, next question. question. Would you rather... Question. Would you rather infiltrate a prison in costume or sneak onto a movie set whilst on the run from the police? I would probably do the infiltrating a prison thing because I like a challenge mm -hmm. 
uh, I think it would be quite interesting. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, I'd be terrified. I'd be pooping my pants sure. that I'd get caught and then they wouldn't let me leave, you know. Um, but, but you know, yeah, I think it'd be quite a fun little day out. <laughs> <laughs> and what would your costume be? Oh, um, well, it wouldn't be an inmate because then you really would get stuck in there. So it would have to be like <laughs> a cleaner, maybe, or like a like an FBI profiler. I'm thinking about like Mind Hunter, something mm. like that, something very glamorous. Mm-hmm. Why sort did I like instantly you... think a giant panda bear costume? I don't. You know just, what okay. just like straight to Halloween <laughs> costumes, but the terrible yeah. ones. I mean, you could be like the you've you've come in to entertain everybody. You know, like there's pred like didn't Johnny Cash used to be like a prison yes. entertainer? Yeah. Um, but I feel like that would be like the easiest way to get in, maybe. Not you if you did it, it in drag. <laughs> You're wearing like the sexy themed Halloween costumes. You're like a sexy, sexy traffic cone or something stupid like that. Sexy traffic cones are sexy. It's so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be a good costume to wear into a prison. <laughs> I'm sorry that sexy traffic cone was the first thing that popped into my head. If we're being honest, then traffic cones aren't sexy. I'm sorry I said it. Or traffic cones. <laughs> I'm sure they're sexy to each other. So judgmental. Yeah. Remember, Amanda, we don't kink shame on fictional hangover. That's true. We do not. If you think traffic cones are sexy, more power to you. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> picturing like a Madonna situation now. <laughs> That's what I see too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the sexy that. traffic cone costume. Is pointy you see, my, my problem is I live near Newcastle, which is a huge like stag and Hindu place. And there is not a Saturday night when a traffic cone doesn't end up on the top of a monument. Yeah. You know, is it a good night out if a traffic cone isn't on the top of one of the one of the statues? Or there's one in Edinburgh, which every time I've gone to Edinburgh, there's always been a a, a, a traffic cone on its head. Um, (laughs) Or you want you could use it as a musical instrument. You know, turn it the way around, do a bit of. It's really heavy though. Make yeah. loud I've announcements. Never been, you know, a person that's ever put a traffic cone on the head. You're the one going out every Friday night putting traffic cones on statues. It's you. It's you. I've got to. I've got to do something and I like, come down off the recording because we we usually do it at eleven o'clock at night. So yeah, you know, oh. right? Finish recording the podcast. I'm gonna go and put a traffic cone on the statue's head. Uh huh. Yeah. That's how I wind up. Yeah. Have a potion. Go to bed. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a complete side note. I'm just going to say I'm sneaking onto a movie set whilst on the run from the police. Sure. Because that's easier and I don't want to be locked into prison. Um, I Ooh. will also quickly answer this question with being in costume because that is all I ever want to do all the time. So, costume. Whether it's a prosthetic nose or a sexy traffic cone, it doesn't matter. I choose the costume. So th- this cosplay that you need to do now has to be a traffic cone and then the needle fingers. Yeah. It's not going to make sense to anyone, but, you know, the three of us, we're really going to enjoy it. 
<laughs> it's just going to come with the comment of, please listen to the episode. It's the only way it will make sense. The only way. And even then, you're going to have questions. <laughs> Bye. Last would you rather. Oh my God. As an actor, not actually being murdered, which death would you rather experience? Amanda, I know it's not going to be spider bites for you. It's not going to be spider bites. You've had a full-on wig during the episode. I did. Mm. Uh, oh, really? I would choose any of the other ones. Oh, yeah. Not spiders. The spiders. Yeah, the spiders um, I threw in there just as like a little sort of like, if you don't like spiders, this is going to get you good. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of spiders, but, you know, I actually recently, just this past weekend, I was at my sister's house. And my five-year-old nephew was saying how scary spiders are. And I was trying to, like, be the big grown-up and sort of, like, broaden his mind and be like, no, it's fine. Like, don't live your life in fear. It's fine. And um, and his reasoning was, but spiders have so many eyes. Which, yeah. And then you peed your pants. Yeah. <laughs> spiders are perverts. They're always in the bathroom as well. So, they love to just sit and watch you, don't they? Yeah. Same as moths. Curves. Claire is terrified of moths. Yeah. I can't believe you well, just like brought the them into man. the conversation. I like cryptids. Mm, yeah, the Mothman. Is that a Richard Gere film? The um, I forgot what it's called now. There was a Josh Mothman Hartnett, prophecies. Mothman. Prophecy. That was, yeah. Was that, was that Josh Hartnett? I I well no now I got to get I IMDb know. up. It's one um, that I never watched. It's a bit silly. It's good. Oh okay. It's not. Um, I am going to choose being sucked into the floor as my uh, murderer because that one makes like the least sense and is also terrifying and I can also just imagine myself as being like frozen in carbonite you know and like mm. and like I'm there in the floor but I've been sucked in and, and I'm dead I like that one the yeah. best and then one day someone will find you and you'll be like the coolest antique in the house. Yeah. Yes. Put on, put on display by the front door. Uh-huh. I am the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just get you out every Halloween? Yeah. You're like one of those giant yeah. target skeletons. Where'd you get that from? You don't want to know. Don't. You don't want to know. Underground. What are you picking, Claire? Well, I'm not going to go buried alive because that's like things being the walls. I do not like things in the walls. But you're okay with me being in your floor? Yeah, that's fine. It's just you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll just stop. Shove, Amanda. Just kick, just kick me. Drowning scary. Don't particularly want to be stabbed or hanged. <laughs> how am I going to get to... Somebody got decapitated. I how seriously you're considering this. Of course. I've got the list in front of me. Um, somebody in the street I grew up with was decapitated at work once. That was, Well, of course, only ever Once? Once? Just the but one they time? they were decapitated. That yeah. was really creepy. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's yeah. horrible. Um, um, Where did you work? It was, it, I was only a kid. It was the, the neighbour across the street. It was... Oh... Uh, an, an, oh. Some some factory, I don't know. I was only kidding. Yeah. Um, oh God. Feel That'd be awful. Like, sorry, sorry, Amanda. Your husband's not coming home today. He's had his head chopped off. He was decapitated. Yeah. Awful. 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm making light of it. It's terrible. Um, oh, it was, it was, it was one of those. You know, when it was only a small street I grew up in. It was back in the days when everybody knew each other as well. We actually knew your neighbours, oh. and it was the gossip of the street. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh. My mum, who listens, she'll probably like text me after hearing this and confirm all the details. So thanks, mum. Uh, <laughs> Please share the details with us. I will. I, I'm thinking. Sp- do, do I have to be covered in spiders or can it just be one bite and then I can hope to turn into Spider-Man? They they kill en masse. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll go with falling because then, at the, you know, I'm, uh, as I'm going down, oh, shit, splat. I always think falling would be quite, like, people do it by jumping out of airplanes. It'd be quite a fun thing to do. Just obviously, it's a bit sad that you die at the end. But it's quite like a a cool, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's panoramic, these scenically quite cool. Yeah, it's it's a very ah, scenic. I'm falling to my death. Ooh, this is a lovely panoramic view of the earth. Ah! <laughs> I, do, I can't yeah. see it. I can't see that happening. Knowing that your parachute doesn't work, if you oh. even have one. Yeah, not nice. But I suppose being decapitated would mean. I'm going to be decapitated and I'm going to go that it's happened on a movie set set in the French Revolution where I'm playing a French aristocrat at, at Madame Guillotine. Oh. And, and then it's one of those things where like, you know, the crow where somebody actually gets murdered on set and there's this whole thing and then the true crime podcasts can go absolutely bonkers about it. And then there'll be a movie made about my death and a documentary series about it on Netflix. Uh-huh. And it's called Burn the Negative. And it's called, yeah. Yes. And then Amanda can come in as a serial killer who does the con circuit. Mm-hmm. And you can murder people on the, the true crime concert scene. Mm. Yeah. You just, you got to bring it back around. Yeah. It's I'm going to go there. Maybe it's you're called Tina. Trouble. So the film could be called like Yellow Tina. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Happens. Yeah. God, I mean, it's got to be a French name. We'll, you know, we'll we'll, we'll French it up, but it'll be Tina. Just sure. yeah. I love it. Zutaloi. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I was taught a French root insult the other week, which apparently means down there bits, but in French it's not a bad thing to call. So- in England, you call someone a cunt, and it's wrong. But in French, apparently, it's nothing, and it's. Hopefully, I'm saying it right. Ah patin. So when you when something happens, you go ah patin. So oh. I spent a long time in the office the other week, sitting next to the lady who taught me it, who speaks fluent French. Ah oh, patin. So, oh. Is it amazing. kind of like going oh minge? Um, oh shit, but minge, right. yes. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh minge. minge. Oh. I like it. Um, who my who death. doesn't like shouting minge in another language? Absolutely. Yeah. Which which death are you picking? Have you picked yet? Yeah, I'm going to go with the bathtub because I quite like a bath. But you're on fire! Mm. Bath bomb drops in and explodes. Yeah. Napalm, death, fiery death. Done. Done. No, I, so it would be the death from the guest house movie, not in real life because in the oh. in the movie yeah in the movie she drowns in the bathtub i think yeah in the tv um, it was a shower cubicle yeah yeah so i would go for that one because it's the best 
most peaceful mode filling. Mm. It's a warm bath. Be nice and clean when they find you. Yeah. Even if, you know, you pee yourself or poop your pants while you die. Oh, yeah. You'll still be clean. Your your bath water won't, but you will. Oh. Yeah, Yeah, I can just say this. You know, when you get to see the pictures of those gorgeous claw-tubbed baths and they're in, like, picturesque picture windows and, you know, you're, you're... limbs are hanging over and people get close and like oh no he's been burnt to death and then all of a sudden you just see a little poop <laughs> <laughs> like, oh it's so romantic but it is yeah. it's very classy it's very classy uh-huh. actually it's making me think of um where is mary there she is the cover of mary by nat cassidy <gasps> oh. Yes. Yeah, it's about yeah. a dead body in a bathtub. It's missing okay. the poop. Yeah. Yeah, where's the poop? It's not visible. <laughs> it's underneath the body. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love it if they did put poop in there, but they didn't. <laughs> they did not put poop in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that brings us to the end of Would You Rather. This is the longest one you've ever done. <laughs> Good place to end. I mean, it's it's probably my favorite one that we've done lately. Oh. <laughs> favorite final thought quote. What you got? I'm going to give you four. Okay, go. Hunting for the truth was essential to her life as her Winona Ryder DVD collection and Swedish Rock on her Spotify. I think we can all say we have a DVD collection and a Spotify pot playlist that are our lifesavers. Yes. People in movies are insane. Yeah. No lie lie found. Sometimes a coincidence is just a coincidence. And sometimes murderers are excellent timekeepers. They'll live for anniversaries. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And the last one, which made me snort laugh, was if you start masturbating with a crucifix, I'll run for coffee. Um, yes. It's probably my favourite line in the entire book. Yeah, that's amazing. What have you got? I just have to say this one because everyone probably knows in real life how much I love Tina Fey. Dial it down, Tina Fey! (laughs) Doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I love Tina Fey. If you want to make a horror villain scary, arm them with something pointy. If you want to make them terrifying, make them human. Nice. It's amazing. Yes? No? I don't fucking know. We left reality behind three bodies ago. (laughs) And finally, you know, you make swearing sound like poetry. Fuck yeah. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I'm going to suggest a book that I do quite fancy reading, but I haven't read myself, but I know super fans have, specifically Drew. Hmm. Um, and she said it was really, really good. And it's actually a non-fiction mm-hmm. book. Um, it's I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. And apparently the audiobook is very, very good as well. I'm not going to give you the full synopsis because it's like hella long. Um, I'm just going to give you the top and tail of it. 
It's a heartbreaking and hilarious memoir by Carly and Sam and Cat star Jeanette McCurdy about her struggles as a former child actor, including eating disorders, addiction, and a complicated relationship with her overbearing mother and how she retook control of her life. By murdering no everyone. No tenuous links here. No tenuous links. She didn't murder everyone? She did. Well, we don't know. It's told with refreshing candour and dark humour. I'm glad my mom died as an inspiring story of resilience, independence and the joy of shampooing your hair and possibly murdering people. Possibly. But I haven't read it, so I couldn't guarantee that she isn't the serial killer. Yeah. With an avenging angel bodyguard. BFF. (laughs) Yes. What have you got? I am going to suggest Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. And this is not a hashtag tenuous link at all, even though it begins with 30 years of time passing. (laughs) 30 years after a tragic accident shut down production of the classic children's program Mr. Magic, the five surviving cast members have done their best to move on. But just as generations of cultishly devoted fans still cling to the lessons they learned from the show, the cast, known as the Circle of Friends, have spent their lives searching for the happiness they felt while they were on it. The friendship, the feeling of belonging, and the protection of Mr. Magic. Or the Needle Man. But with no surviving video of the show, no evidence of who directed or produced it, and no records of who or what the beloved host actually was, memories are all the former circle of friends has. Then, a twist of fate brings the castmates back together at the remote desert filming compound that feels like it's been waiting for them all this time. Even though they haven't seen each other for years, they understand one another better than anyone has since. After all, they're the only ones who hold the secret of that circle, the mystery of the magic man in his infinitely black cape, and maybe the answers to what really happened on that deadly last day. But as the circle of friends reclaim parts of their past, they begin to wonder, are they here by choice, or have they been lured into a trap? This one's been on my TBR for a while. That sounds good. Do we perhaps have any um, new energy spotlight this week? Yes, we do. And I'm going to share how it was pitched to us and then read the summary. Okay, it's called The Lotus Flower Champion by Pintip Dunn and Love Dunn. And it comes out this month. So it was pitched to us this way. The Lotus Flower Champion is a squid game meets Peter Pan with folktales from Thailand. Okay, sold. It's a YA fantasy thriller about a girl with OCD who is marooned with 11 other people on a remote island that looks like a paradise but feels like hell due to the machinations of a scientist desperate to unlock their latent psychic abilities. (laughs) You know what? Maybe I should just leave it at that. I'm just going to leave it there. Just leave it there. That that's a seller right there. That yeah. doesn't need anything else. Yeah. So everyone go and check that one out. It's either just come out or it's being released soon. I have conflicting information. Goodreads says it came out on October third, but I think the pitch said it was coming out on Halloween, so 
It's out this month. It sounds really good. Yes. I and don't, now- don't want to know. I, I feel like I don't need to know anything else. No. To be interested. Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Weir. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite <laughs> fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, threads, TikTok and YouTube at Fictional Hangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictional hangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.